It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome to another edition of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast based on the book, The 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders, as you just heard. It is already to episode number 43, How the Time Goes By, Steve Noodleberg, hardcover, paperback, audio book, and now they're even teaching a course based on a curriculum built around your book. At the University of Miami. How about that? So I was not able to attend the event that I brought you to. June, yeah, you invite me to an event, and then you don't go. You invite me to participate and MC the event, and I look Which around and go, where crazy. is he? And they crazy. go, oh, he's not here. He's speaking tonight. So um, at the University of Miami, the sports division mm-hmm. took my book and created a selling course out of it. And so they really? were they were about halfway through the book and asked if I'd come down. So it's like sports marketing, it's, the courses. It was. Because it's uh, sales meets marketing correct, meets sports communication. Correct. And what was interesting was about half a dozen of the UM players, mm-hmm. uh, active players, good. were in the room, uh, and the, the response I got was absolutely overwhelming. Uh, Sounds like an easy B, I'll be honest with you. Sign me up for that. It sounds like three <laughs> credits easy, just to re- read the book and boom, and then I'm going to get me a B. You know what? You were probably right. Yeah. And they were probably sleepwalking through most of it. Until well, yours, the book, the book's yours an easy truly. Re- the book's an easy read. It's right. easy to digest. A lot of people go, I don't want to read and the thing. I gotta, I gotta read the paragraph again. And like, it's easy to go, Oh, common sense. That makes sense. I should focus on that. If I do that, I'll be more successful. So the thing I was most excited about was the question and answer. Mm-hmm. They, they were dialed in. You know, I was with them for about an hour and That's a half. Right. And then the questions were like real early stage business questions. How do I do this? Why do I do that? So, uh, you know, I've invited all of them to connect with me. And I share that, you know, there's no amount of money. There's no zeros that could be could accompany the feeling I got last night. It wasn't about money. It was a give back. It was ascending the elevator back down. And I was thrilled to do it. And it's, you know, just validating of the 40 years. Help the next one in line. Yeah. And, and which is a perfect segue to the gentleman that's sitting to my left. Yes. Who is a um, career sales guy. Uh, Andy Brahms built a very, very successful company. Uh, Andy Brahms found me on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. so it validates all the new strategies. Mm-hmm. And we had a, a little dialogue off online, then we had one visit, and I'm probably not going to be able to say much the rest of the show. Because here he goes. This guy can go. Andy Brahms, welcome to the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. You found this cat on uh, LinkedIn, he says. Yes, I did. I found uh, Steve on LinkedIn. And the rest is history. Well, there was an immediate connection. There was was something about looking at Steve on LinkedIn that attracted me to the message. So Steve was right away being in business a long time. I liked the way that he approached trying to get a message to new people who have never seen him before. And for you, that's probably something that people could learn from. And that is, what is your message? How are you conveying that? And how is it drawing people like yourself in? I'm always looking for people who have maybe a different kind of message or the same message that resonates in a different way. So I can help my employees, my sales force. 
to listen to someone else because after a lot of years, when you have a lot of people that work for you, no matter what the message is, sometimes it becomes numb. Mm-hmm. So, so he being this career sales guy who's actually done it, that instantly attracted me. I'm like, okay, here's a guy who's done it, busted his ass, got it right, built a very, very, very successful company, is in the process of building a couple of other companies because once you know how to do it, yet he was still interested in some of the newer things that were going on. He was interested in the social selling, and he said, look, I'm open to having another voice deal with my sales team. I don't want them to stop doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I want them to get better, and I was like, you know, it's part of all. You way. had me at hello. That, that's part of uh, learn to earn. Learn to earn. That's yeah. part of the concept yeah, was, there. Uh, Andy, is that is that vital? People overlook perhaps the idea that sometimes a different voice, a fresh voice, can be very useful to just spark people's minds. Certainly, from the perspective of of the owner. So, for many many years, I've been in sales. Right, mm-hmm. I started when I was twenty. To put my way through university, you know, we were just talking. We, you went we, to we, State University of New York at Oneonta. Exactly. So, you know, we both went to upstate New York yeah. schools. Put my way through school in sales. And when I graduated in May of 1979, 10 days later, I was on a plane going to Guam selling industrial maintenance supplies that I did in the summers to put my way through uh, the four, year of, uh, four years of college. Huh. So once I went to Guam, what happened was in lieu of going for my MBA, I did real well in those first seven weeks that I was gone. So here I'm a young guy. I'm 22 years old. They shipped these samples out there. My mission was to seek and destroy, so to speak, kind of like go where no man has gone before, right. like Star Trek, yeah. right? Yeah. I love it. So they sent me to this place, Guam. There was a lot of activity to tell me going on. You're what the Captain I... Kirk of Guam. Listen, I was Captain nothing at that time. Right. All I was was some. I got off the plane. I'll never forget, and I go, you smell the the wild. There's a whole different. There's a whole different describe uh, that smell. A, a, aroma that comes from being out really far in these tropical climates. So right. as soon as I got out, I was like, "Where's my mommy? Where, where is she? <laughs> where I'm am tw- I? I'm 22 years old. Yeah. What the? Where? It took me 18 hours one way to get there by air. Really? And yeah. that, and that smell. What you said, tropical, but but you can probably harken back, right? You can. You remember that smell? Ex- I remember that smell vividly, like it was yesterday. Did it smell like money? It's not like money. No, not like money. Because Steve, it's I'm not, not like but, money. But but it, but in turn, it, it turned out to smell like money. Well, what happened was is that Guam became uh, a, a challenge for me because I was all set to go to get my MBA at NYU. I sent in a deposit. I figured I had the senior blues. What am I going to do when I'm done? So here I go on this. Uh, it's all a commission job. So the owner of the company fronted me these expenses to go on this trip over there, and, and he said, "So when you come back, you'll go get your MBA." Mm-hmm. Well, seven weeks later, I come back after I pay all my expenses, which were maybe six, seven, eight thousand dollars. Remember, this is nineteen seventy-nine. Right. When offers out of school were maybe ten, eleven, twelve thousand. Really? I netted in my pocket thirty-six thousand dollars. Wow. There went my MBA. <laughs> yeah. And I started in this career, even though my dad tried to convince me not to break the cycles of the semesters of school. Mm-hmm. He said, "If you do that, you're never going to go back." So I said, "Dad." If it doesn't work out, I'll go back, and here it is. Uh, I just celebrated 36 years in business, 41 years of selling, and I just love it. It's a fantastic industry, fantastic career. Steve, why decide to have Andy come on? What did you want your audience to learn from this man right here? So, uh, yeah, as I said you know, before, what, what intrigued me was a guy who is actually in front of it. He's talking to his team from 
similar to me. I'm a sales doer. He's a sales doer. Listen, I'm not asking you to do something I didn't already right. do myself. I did this. I was the guy knocking on doors. I was the guy getting the appointment. I was the guy doing the demos. I built this. I built it from the early days in Guam. I came back here. I met the right people. I have. All, he has stories galore. The first day we were in his office, we spent a couple hours. Which one stood out? Tee it up um, for the man. Which one stood up? Uh, you I don't know that there right was now. one particular one. But but what stuck out was his relationship with his dad. Mm-hmm. That really stuck out to me. You know, real respect for the older generation. Um, what stuck out to me was the way he dressed. You know, mm-hmm. he has a shtick about what you know he wears. He a wears, brand. He wears. He's a brand. A brand. Right? And so, call it a brand now. It was a shtick then or a style, but and now you it's know a brand. what? I mean, his people know that he's not full of shit. He, they know that he's genuine. He, they know he did it. He's got people working there. 20 years? How, how long, Andy? How, how long have people been? Because that, that's often a sign of, wow, that's a place I want to be. If nobody wants to leave, well, hell, that's somewhere you might want to be also. I have, I've been very blessed in having tenure both on outside and inside people. So I still have four of the original 10 salespeople I hired since 1990. Wow. So even though I started in business in 1982, I was 25. I moved down from Toronto, Canada at the time. So mm-hmm. I was living in Toronto for 10 years. My dad had a gig up there. We moved from Brooklyn, New York, up to Toronto. Mm-hmm. So I come down here in 1982, and for the rest of that time, I was traveling overseas five and a half, six months a year. I did that for 22 years straight, six months a year. Went to all different kinds of islands around the world. So it could be Guam, which is the hub of the islands of Micronesia, mm-hmm. this Saipan, this truck, this Palau, Fiji, Tahiti, American Samoa. Also, you have... Uh, uh, down in Guadalcanal, which is the Solomon Islands, going over there. I had a gig in Bermuda where I started an actual company there called AV Distributing Limited LLC, and I had a local guy that made my partner. It was the only way I could get in there, plus all over the Caribbean. So here I was, this young guy from 22 to 44, traveling overseas six months a year, selling to all these customers business to business. No distributors, nothing like that. And I did all my own arrangements, so it was... If I didn't make a buck in my pocket, yeah. But by 1990, I sold my share in a company in Bermuda, and that created more time on my hands. And I hired a gentleman who was 63 years old at the time, Irving. And Irving was selling fluorescent light bulbs. And I said to Irv, hey, Irv, maybe you'll sell some of my products, you know, part-time to some of these guys who are selling fluorescent light bulbs. I said, I'll come out and teach you. He said, fantastic idea. 22 years later, Irv retired when he was 85 wow. with me. He's 90 now. He's living in Delray Beach. Wow. So from the time I hired Irv was 1990 up until now is the time I started to hire people. By 97, 98, maybe I had 10 salespeople, something like that. And really from 97, 98 until now is when all the company growth, and I've had as many as about 100 salespeople and down to 75 by design. Unbelievable. So, so here was the most telling thing of all, and we've, we've talked about it a lot. The minute we walked into his office for the first time, the young lady that greeted us, and I say young sparingly, she's mm-hmm. been with you a long time as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. was the most welcoming person ever. Really? In, in any office I've been in in recent time. She's happy to be there. And we, she takes care of us, gets us a cup of coffee, which she can make some coffee. Um, we go around, and as we're walking through the office, everybody's smiling. Mm-hmm. And so I talk about it. 
I preach about it in my book, but to actually deliver a culture of people that smile all day long is the most difficult thing ever. Yet here I was in the middle of it. Now, is that, is that a product? Is that a, is that a product, Andy, of collecting the right people or having the environment such that they're just all happier to be there? I think it's a combination of both. So Dahlia, who Steve is speaking about, has been there about 25 years. Unbelievable. So she's been there, right, the one that's making the Cuban coffee every day, which uh, <laughs> my terminology for it is jet fuel. <laughs> yes. So I would say, yeah, I'll take a cup of that jet fuel that you got over there <laughs> to keep me going. Uh-huh. But I would say it's, it's, it's really, you know, it's something that would really monitor and come close to my personality. I want people who understand that, you have to work very hard, but who said you can't have fun? Right. So both working and having fun don't have to be mutually exclusive. They could be synonymous together. Culture matters, doesn't it, Steve? So, so he, you know, we decide what we're going to do, and he says the first thing I want to do is I want to get you in front of all of my people. So he, he makes a company meeting, mm-hmm. and I am telling you this. This is incredible. After my presentation, I spent a couple hours doing it. After my presentation, there were people there that were crying, that were actually so grateful for Andy giving the opportunity for them to learn more and do more. I mean, I'm not bullshitting. I mean, this is, you know, which, like, I walked out of that room going, you know, I'm thrilled that I get to do this, but most of the time, it's like the 80-20 rule. 80% of the people are sitting in the room going, Mm -hmm. all right, what is this guy going to teach me? You know, this was like welcoming with open arms. So it really is culture. It really is a culture. I've been there a couple of months, and it's been the same thing. I I think it's a mirror more of who I am as a person and the kinds of people I want to be there. I don't want to waste my time or people's time by coming in just to collect a paycheck, not really care about what they're doing. Right. And all of a sudden, you know, they're wondering why they're not getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. If they're going to show up, let's play ball. You can teach good people how to sell and be successful. Kind of hard to teach good sellers how to be good people. Uh, Impossible. You know what I mean? In all the years I hired, if you're a bad person. I've come to learn that it's it's a lot easier to take good people and teach them how to be because they're authentic and they genuinely care. And then they become successful, but difficult for people that just are collecting a paycheck to learn how to be good team players. So so what I would like to ask you, uh, you know, and I know a couple of the stories, I just can't, you know, remember them now. What are some of the great sales stories that you have? Some of the ones that, you know. You have Glenn Gary, uh, Glenn Ross, caliber stuff. If I'm going to give you one story that I really love was this one. So the year is about 1986, and I'm selling in Bermuda. I'm with my partner, and we go to the uh, port down on uh, Front Street in Hamilton, Bermuda, okay, because that's where all the uh, the, uh, uh, the freight liners come in, the, the cruise boats, you know, the uh, container boats, everything like that. Mm-hmm. So I walk, I have a pass to get there. They were called the, the Stavador services that have those big gantry trains that pick up the containers and they move them around and all that kind of stuff. So I'm there with my partner, and over there, you know, these vans that we had were little vans because there's only one road each way. There's right. only one lane They're going. Narrow. Yeah, you, there's no rental cars in Bermuda. You've got to rent a, a moped. Right. So anyway, we go in, and there it is, the famous... Uh, uh, Jacques Cousteau and the Calypso was there. So the Calypso's uh-huh. in, in the port, and they had the plank down. 
And it, this was in the 80s. Security was much different then. You didn't have people all over. There was no metal protectors. There was nothing like that. I had a, a port pass. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long story short, I, talk, I said to my partner, his name was Varnell. I said, Varnell, let's go up on the boat. He said, you can't just walk up on the boat. <laughs> I said, why can't I walk up on the boat? I said, there's the plank. Nobody's saying we can't. So we get out. We carry our sample bag. I start yelling as loud as I could yell. <laughs> Jacques, Jacques, where are you? Where are you in French? You know, Jacques, where are you? Where are you? So all of a sudden, from the engine room, you know, he wore those old, uh, we might remember them up north, they used to call them pupki hats that you would put over your head, all the way down below your ears. You okay. know, a lot of rappers wear them today, but yeah. it's really, they called the back in the day in Brooklyn, it was called like a pupki hat, right? All right. So anyway, he's wearing, he says, who's calling me? Who's calling me? And there, up from the room, comes Jacques Cousteau. There he and, is. and I said, the first thing I said, you know, Jacques, it's a pleasure to meet you. And let me tell you why. And he goes, why? I said, because for once, I'm standing next to someone with a bigger nose than me. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he starts laughing and all that kind of stuff. So he bought $325 worth of stuff. We had a warehouse. We got a check. It was on the Bank of Bermuda. And we never cashed it. We put it in a frame. Oh. So that was more the, one of the more memorable sales, I can honestly tell you. More because it was such a famous guy that I, I saw his specials on TV. Of course. That's fantastic. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah. And it was a nice icebreaker, too. And then, you, <laughs> you know, from there, with the, it wasn't like, I'm here to sell you. It was, you know, let's get this out of the way. Your nose is bigger than mine. And then, boom, off we're running. Uh, it says here we're supposed to chat today about old school versus new school with selling. So old school means what to you, Andy? When I say old school selling, what comes to mind? All right. So the way I was trained going back to 1977 we would go out there's no preset appointments okay we have a daily plan we know where we're going so the customer doesn't know we're coming though so we're very well prepared we go into there we use we were taught to use icebreakers as part of the sales process and i still use icebreakers as part of the sales process because Mm -hmm. what we're trying to do is get to a customer and buy information and break down the defense mechanisms that people put up when they see someone approach them, right? right? So if someone sees you and all of a sudden, hey, he's not interested right, right away, you have no shot. Right. So you have to know how to break that wall down. Mm-hmm. So once we do that, we want to be able to qualify them, get to the right person who could sign, you know, on the dotted line, so to speak, on the bottom, be able to create the need, do the demonstration, and close on the spot right there. Mm-hmm. That's old-fashioned. That's old-school sales. That's and it still happens, so as much as it's old school, your guys are, and, and gals are still doing it. We're still doing it. That's the way we teach. And the thing is what became prehistoric to a lot of people, it's like a new wave thing these days. So when I met Steve, one of the things I'm looking to do is how do I create this fusion of old and new? So one of the things that I said was, you know, I've been playing around with LinkedIn for a long time. I put together a fantastic network took me years and years to do. And now all of a sudden when I go on LinkedIn, the only thing I ever do, I congratulate someone who, you know, got a job promotion or happy birthday to someone. I'm going, wait, listen, I didn't join it for this really, even though it's nice to do. I wanted to figure out how do I capitalize on this network to grow my business and to help teach people in my company to grow their business also Mm -hmm. and to recruit at the same time. That's what attracted me to Steve. So How do I go out there and do this new social media, this new technology to help me get into places I otherwise wouldn't get into just by knocking on a door? Steve, 
and I, you know, I've, I've been experiencing it with their sales team. I think one of the greatest things that I've experienced at the company is that he's training his daughter to, you know, be in the business. And, you know, you work in a lot of companies where there's nepotism and they go, Hey, I want you to work with my son or my daughter because they're spoiled and I want them to do it. Uh-huh. I got to tell you, man, his daughter is one of the sharpest, youngest sales executives that I've seen who works, works and works and has said no to nothing that I've said to her. What, what, really? what, Steve, what do you need me to do? Boom, I'll do this. What time? When are we doing it? How are we doing it? She's super excited because she's being exposed. And I think part of what our game plan is, is to, you know, take that old school work ethic, that old school mentality, something that works. I mean, the company is, you know, right. tremendously successful. There's a reason why people have been there since 1990. Correct. I mean, there are, it's not like the model is broken, but I love that word fusion because now they're taking some of the elements of old school. Correct. Okay. So what does new school mean to you, Andy? Old school versus new school. We Great got the question. idea with the old school. Is, what is new school to you now? Well, new school, let me, let me explain how I came to this, my comprehension and my uh 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 what did i say again it's this is my particular definition right. of what new school is right. new school is being able to open up business without knocking on a door physically where you go in a car and you go to a business without them knowing that you're coming and use social media to be able to create these warm leads outside of just the cold so that's exactly what I'm trying to, to create now. I Utilizing your resources and doing so digitally. But but let me explain. I don't think it's an overnight thing. Mm-hmm. Because one thing I, I was very apprehensive about, you know, doing away with cold calling because I don't know any other way. So all of a sudden, what am I going to, cre- you know, knock down a whole business model I, I created over 36 years just because Steve is telling me that this is the new way <laughs> to do it. And I'm saying that, well, listen. The proof's always in the pudding. So I committed to, to Steve for a period of time, and that's where we're going. But in the time, we've, we've known each other, uh, what, about four months now? Okay, so maybe that, what is that, 16 weeks? Multiply 16 weeks by 60, that's 960 accounts. We've opened new accounts by the old way since I've met Steve. Mm-hmm. And we're trilled, still trying to figure out how to do it with the LinkedIn. But the thing is, once we get it, I know it's going to take off. So before I really fuse it together, I have to understand the right methodology to go and create these new social media needs in the new technology era. And it's not an overnight thing. So I'm willing to commit for the sake of the future. Which is probably the biggest takeaway is because I promised him, I said, listen, this is not going to happen overnight. It's changing behavior, number one. Number two is it's a platform that's already been going that his people have not been using, but the real benefit is we're hunting much, much bigger accounts. So, you know, while the 960, and I love that he's so dialed into the, the business on, yep. the, on the math level. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at how fast he just spun that out. Yep. So when we have conversations, we're friends, and then there's a business conversation. I hired you to do something. You're either doing it or you're not doing it. We can still be friends after 5 o'clock, but what I'm doing is showing them how to get to those bigger accounts, break down big doors, big companies. Um, it took us three weeks, but we have a meeting with Brightline, you know, which... Those are my people. Those are your people. So it took three weeks to get that, but the guy who handles it, 
you know, is interested and ready to go. And now Bright Line's fantastic. Right. And so you, we would not have had the opportunity to yeah. knock on that door yeah. because we would be like one of the casualties who gets understood by a train. And if people are going to take the Bright Line, which you should to Fort Lauderdale, Miami, and avoid the traffic and enjoy right. yourself, you should use the promo code ESPN. Absolutely. To save up to which 25%. We do, we do on, Plug a regular, Ola. on a regular basis. But What's the that promo code again? ESPN. That's the prompt for GoBrightLine.com <laughs> to go to Fort Lauderdale or Miami in comfort and luxury. With a, with a and drink clean car. and clean just, and in order a, to keep it clean, it's like a train of the future, you know. So so here's a, a a plug for Andy. What I've noticed in the short time that I've been on Brightline, it started out brand new. It's not so brand new anymore. And in order to keep things brand new, you need the right, you know, chemicals. You need the right services. You need and, and the guy that we're meeting with was totally tuned into it. He said, I know you're a rider. I know what you're all about. Mm-hmm. You know, it is upkeep of our stations. I mean, their station in Miami is... Custodially speaking. Custodially speaking. Custodially. I like that. But here's where a big takeaway I have from Steve that's just really beginning. So one of the things that I've taken away from watching Steve and really observing and looking at all the posts and everything he does every day is that you must get yourself visually out there through LinkedIn so people notice that it's the same person who's always putting out some kind of post and everything. So in order for me to recruit, people have to know who I am. So the more that they see something that I do on there, the more that they look into who I am, what maybe I created, the opportunities that present themselves. So I started to post a lot more things recently, watching what Steve does, trying to mimic some of those things. And I have gotten a lot more response from people who are asking about job opportunities, the, the sales part, I'm letting Steve handle that with the people that we picked. And we picked three newer people, three older people on purpose, so I could see what kind of, by beta testing it this way, I could hmm. see exactly who's going to take to this the right way. I hope that they all do, but I don't know. So instead of assuming, you know, based on my uh, uh, predisposition to right. think about people, I'm waiting to see how it works. Well, and then we'll be able to cater, hopefully, a training program for those people that even will tighten up their success rate on LinkedIn that much more. Technology isn't just different, and selling isn't just different because of technology, but people are different. How we interact and react with one another. Before, you would never get on the phone with a stranger and insult them and go to war, but now you don't have a problem doing it on Twitter Unbelievable. Not, not in a heartbeat. Unbelievable. Right? Keyboard warriors, tough guys, but in, in person. So we've changed. You know, Civilization is kind of lacking civility. And so when, you know, Andy speaks of someone is approaching you and your defense mechanisms, look, I'm a very tough nut to crack. If someone's trying to sell me something, I see it from a mile away. And I don't like the idea that you're trying to sell me in the first place. So I'm going to tell you, I'm good. And he goes, let me, sir, let me get a vacation. Thank you. I'm not rude, but I'm just, nobody likes to be approached to be sold. Even when you went to the car lot voluntarily, you don't want them running up on you. But it's now more so than ever because of social media. So the interesting takeaway for me is in 16 weeks, they've opened up 960 accounts. Amazing. Obviously, there are people, like I'm sitting there talking to them, I'm going, this isn't bullshit. They don't want want to be sold. They want for you to explain to them why it is symbiotic. They want solutions. Why it is solutions. Make my, like I always say, make my life easier, make me money, make me look good, or get me sex. Those are the four things of industry. That's it. Is it's, that in an order? Is that no? You put them in whatever order you want. But but I tell these young people and the interns, they say, "Well, I want to have a career, I want to have a job." And I say, "Here's how you get a job: the people, the decision makers. Can you make their life easier? Can you make them money? 
Can you make them look good? And can you help them in some way as a result of that get sex? Those, that's it. That's all, that's all the decision makers want out of life. And mastery, according to Malcolm Gladwell. Right. I get, Andy, you're looking at me like I'm crazy. Am I crazy? No, no. I think, I think you're right on. I think why the way that we go to market in our business model fits in perfectly with the way you think. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's people like he, you every day. It's he, people he like higher, you right? every day that come, we, we come across. Who, nobody since I started in 1977 that I can remember, it was never any different selling. People were the people were the people. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to see anybody. So that's why you have to have techniques. you got to have process so you know how to get to these people. It's not where you go in and you wing it. If you want to be good, you've got to have great skills, but, like but in any a, profession. Here's a big takeaway that, that is a very significant thing for people to hear. Andy didn't say, just teach my people how to do it, mm-hmm. and I'll watch. He said he'll do it. And so oh, he yeah. is in the pool. He's in the sandbox doing it so that when people look up, they go, well, wow, the guy who owns the company is doing it. He's getting traction. He's the bait is in the water. People are, he's now accessible. He is putting content out there. Listen, I did a video on cold calling is dead. Mm -hmm. It was a controversial video that I did on purpose. He jumped in with his view, which was contrary to mine Uh to a certain degree. He got so much feedback in my post engagement. Because, right, he was, because right. people were going, yeah, I want to follow Andy, man. Andy knows what he's talking about, you know? Yeah. So, so by paying attention and doing it like he's doing it, he posted something yesterday, and at the bottom he used hashtag, that's the bottom line. Yeah. And it blew up, man. It was fantastic. It was like, you know. It's important to, to craft a brand and to be in the front of mind and then to be relatable to begin some of those relationships, right? It's extremely important, but I think the most important thing is to understand who you are as a human being and what you want to accomplish in your life. Now, here I am. I'm 61 years old. I've been doing this since I'm 20, and here I have all this excitement and enthusiasm and passion still because if you're not challenging yourself constantly in life, it gets boring. That's right. And the one great thing about living is doing well and being productive and getting the most out of it that you could do based on the abilities and the efforts that you put into it And I was blessed to be raised with a dad who was a Marine drill sergeant during the Korean War who was very disciplined with me. Mm -hmm. And he's the main reason I'm successful is the discipline that constantly goes into my life to this day. There's a trend there. There's a trend there, right? Our man's staying. One of the things I love about working here is that I get to learn, too. Mm -hmm. He set the bar pretty high. I mean, he's candidly in a position where he doesn't have to do any of this stuff. Company's working, but it's a lead by example, and it's a. I would never ask of you anything I wouldn't do myself. And he's got one badass blazer game. Boom! I mean, is that Paisley on the inside? Let me, let me see the liner. Is that Paisley? Is that, is that you? I have a. Uh, <clears throat> when I moved to Florida back in the eighties, I wanted to go somewhere where it was a little more casual to do business, but I still didn't feel I was dressed properly just mm-hmm. by going in there. You know, let's say and having a nice pullover shirt, a pair of jeans. So I started to wear the blazers over 30 years ago. Yep. And every single day I wear a blazer. Boom. Every day. That's your brand. That's just who I am. So even when I had friends, I have a lot of very, you know, very successful friends. And they would say, well, you know, we have this event coming up and you got to wear a suit. And I said, I don't have a suit. No. I got <laughs> so, a blazer, though. So they said, and they said, 
Just come as you are. We accept you. That's exactly you right. are, man. Andy Brahms, thank you so much for the time today. Great to have awesome. you with us. Stevie, we're, we're short on time. Once again, as we wrap up 43, uh, we don't ask folks how they're doing. That's small talk. And to be honest, it's a social crutch. Instead, you ask people to tell you something good. So as we wrap it up, why don't you do just that for this issue in this so, episode? Uh, what's good is uh, Saturday is Gators versus Georgia. Mm-hmm. And the I world's want, largest outdoor cocktail party that we're not supposed to refer to as. That's correct. The world's largest it, outdoor cocktail I, as, party. As a student of that school and as an alumni of that school, it is the biggest cocktail party. And we'll be world's drinking. largest outdoor cocktail party. And we will be drinking at the end of that one, celebrating a Gator victory. Go Gators. Good luck to you. Our thanks again to Andy Browns for joining us. You want, you want to do this again? You want to do, go for 44? Reggie Jackson, Jim Brown. I love it. Ernie love it. Uh, Davis, all we're those running backs. towards 50. We're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks again to Andy Browns. For Steve Nudelberg, Josh Cohen saying thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you next time on the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast.